Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're an early stage startup or still in ideation, then the Launchpan course is designed for you. All of the basics and more, saving you tons of time and thousands of dollars in launching and growing your food, beverage, or small goods business. More details are available at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. I'm Steve Clear, and today I'm I'm going to welcome Ashi Jelinek to the program. She is a Los Angeles-based mother of three who found that the market lacked innovative, health-conscious children's products. No surprise. Before becoming a stay-at-home parent, she had started her career in theater in New York and attained an undergraduate degree in theater communications at the California Institute of Arts. By founding The Loving Company in 2017, she brings her personal experiences as a mother along with her passion for health and wellness. Focusing on promoting a healthy lifestyle for her kids, she has created this brand for both her own and other families alike. Welcome to the podcast, Ashi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, to be a part of this. It's, it's, it's really a lot of fun to talk to fellow entrepreneurs in the food business, but also to talk about people who specialize in doing products and product lines that are aimed at kids because as much as we all need the healthy ingredients and clean labels and whatever else we have a lot of years of you know not following that necessarily but starting kids off in the right way obviously is is very important so can you tell us first a little bit about kids love and the product line and kind of where the idea came from sure yeah so uh kids love came to me uh, a couple years ago, um, I, at the time when the idea came to me, had only one kid at the time <laughs> and um, was racking my brain on trying to get him to drink something else besides juice. He wasn't the biggest fan of water. And um, I was trying to find other things to hydrate him. Um, right. At the time, Uh, you know, there were a lot of healthy and there still is a lot of healthy snack options for him. So that I felt I had a lot of options, but in terms of beverages, I didn't feel like I had a lot of options. I also noticed that like every parent, whether I was at a birthday party or at a park or at a baseball game, like every parent was taking juice and then would pour water into it to dilute the sugars. And so after seeing every parent do this, and this is the norm, and it was something just in society, just like everyone does as a go-to, I thought, well, that's strange that there isn't a solution for that problem, that you don't have to do that anymore. Right. So that's the idea that kind of came to me. And then the other part of the idea, which then led me down the path to developing Kids Love, was uh, my son at the time was taking pediatric supplements in both chewable hard form and gummy vitamins Mm. um those i didn't realize at the time despite flossing and brushing his teeth multiple times a day i didn't realize until i went to his pediatric dentist that when kids are really young and they're eating gummy vitamins and hard chewable vitamins that whether even if it's low sugar it's the mechanism that the vitamin comes in um, that actually 
sits on the enamel of kids' teeth, decays the teeth, and starts the process of cavities. So I was not aware of that. My son started to get a lot of cavities, and my dentist basically asked me, like, do you give him gummy vitamins? Do you give him hard chewable vitamins? I said, yes. And he said, that's why he's getting cavities. And I said, well, then what's the solution if your kid's a picky eater or if your kid has allergies or you just want them to have a vitamin? Like, what are the options? Like I get an ideal world, your kid is getting all the nutrients they want to eat from fruits and vegetables. But if they aren't getting it that way, how are they getting it? And he kind of looked at me with like a I don't know. (laughs) And that's really the two ideas that came to me was if I could create a product that solves the problem that I have, which is not, not, uh, you know, having a, basically a beverage that doesn't have all the sugar, but also has a functional aspect to it. That's giving a good daily dose of vitamins. Then I feel empowered and good as a parent that I'm giving something that's nutritious, hydrating, and solves a problem. And that's how Kids Love idea came to be. And obviously you went to the store, you couldn't find this stuff. So Right. So did, in in sort of the classic manner, did you start working in your own kitchen coming up with this idea? Did How, how did you do the research yeah. and all that? So, you know, I would have loved to have been able to do it in my kitchen. And in fact, thought that that's how I could do it. Um, I think when you don't have a background in vitamins and um, you're not a chemist in development, it's a little hard to do that in your kitchen. So I started, what actually where I started was I started looking at different pediatric supplements and chewables and the vitamins that I was giving okay. and understanding what those vitamins were. How did each vitamin, whether it's water, oil, soluble, how does that affect the body? And then came in, coming up with my own list of what I would ideally want in a vitamin. So I took then that list and then took, you know, kind of maybe trying in my house like to water down juices, seeing what I thought complemented each other. Um, I knew a little bit, obviously, that coconut water provides in a lot of ways, you know, potassium, hydration and all those uh, good natural things. Right. So, you know, adding that in. And so I did, in a way, start the process at home, but then I did quickly realize that, you know, in terms of developing vitamins and sourcing that, that's a very specific um, industry and a very specific, you know, hat you have to wear. So I did then hire on a chemist to help me formulate the product how I wanted it. And I wanted to make sure that my vitamins were derived from plant-based ingredients as much as possible. So... In order to achieve that and to get the label of being vegan, that was something in terms of sourcing that took a year to to to, to figure, figure out, out and yep. develop. Yes. And what's the what's the current line, current product line? So the current product line is so Kids Love is zero sugar, uh, non-GMO, vegan, kosher, gluten-free. Um, we have two flavors: coconut and mango, and we are launching a third flavor um, this year, which is orange peach. Ooh, wow, okay, all right. And so um, in single single serving containers, uh, but resealable, right? Yep, they're resealable, so that was uh, another thing that was really important to me, um, and I guess I was a little ahead of my time with this, but straws to me were 
not only from a plastic sustainability environmental issue, a big deal for me, but as a parent, honestly, like giving my kids a juice box and them spilling it in the car and not being able to have it later because it's not resealable was a, a really big, big problem for me. I wanted to make every parent's life easier where you can just close it, have it later, throw it in your bag and go. So it really came from two perspectives on that. And we are the first kids juice box to launch without a straw. Yeah, excellent. So um, on, on the business side a little bit, uh, you have your chemist or whatever in place this time, but did you start out with, so you, you had an idea. Um, did mm -hmm. the the idea of combining juice or or basically making liquid the transportation vehicle, the carrier vehicle for the, 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 um, the vitamins and the, and the nutrients, what did you then do next? Did you do a business plan? Did you go to some friends and try to raise money? How did you, how'd you tackle that? So I first thought I could do it maybe in a powder form and then actually just have people put it in drinks themselves. Okay. But then I realized I wanted more control over the product than that in the sense that I felt like I wanted to make it more convenient. And for me as a consumer, I don't use a lot of powdered stuff. That's just not something I personally do. And so it wasn't as interesting to me. So then I guess the next thing that I did was, honestly, I, I really just first started to work on the concept of the brand. So before I went out and raised money, I just said, okay, let me think of the name. What What is this going to be called? What is this <laughs> going to look like? Yep. Um, what is the What is the goal of the company beyond this this drink, you know? What do I want to put out in the world? What am I trying to give other families that I'm looking for? And so I think I really tried to look at things from a very high level and creative perspective on what am I trying to create here? And so I think that took several months. And once I was done with the actual just prototypes, meaning like it was in, you know, glass, glass jars, literally. Right. Um, then I went out to, um, you know, I wanted to get creative to get people's feedback because at the end of the day, I feel like you can have the best idea in the world, but if nobody else agrees with you, then it's not really going to work out. So no. for me, it was important to get actual consumer feedback and I didn't have the money to go to agencies or, you know, to play like field marketing agencies. So I just did it myself. So I went to Taekwondo studios. I went to like play spaces and ask them like, hey, um, I have insurance. Can I set up shop here? And when your kids come in, I, it's just a sample. They can try the drink and look at concepts right. for the brand. Yeah. So I actually showed kids like images and had them choose which ah. one they liked and why. And okay. also the parents feedback. And I gathered all of these surveys that I basically did over the course of a couple months Yep. to then lead the direction in the branding, developing of the product and, um, you know, and, and, and then, and then I went out and raised money. So you, you, you did a, a real life focus group, um, which yes. <laughs> is great because one, one of the things that, you know, having worked in lots of focus groups that you have is, is that as soon as you bring people into a building somewhere, you know, downtown or whatever, and they're being hired to or compensated to work in a group, 
um, it takes away what I think is a lot of the natural reaction. Kids, not so much. Totally, adults, I agree adults, with that. But even kids are affected by where they are, what they're doing. I'm expected to do something with this because mommy yep. says I got to do it. Whereas yep. going out to a play space and kids running around, comes over, maybe he's a little thirsty too to boot. Exactly. You got you obviously got a great great reaction, and it's it's really good good looking packaging as a result of that. So yeah, that's just, just yeah. Awesome. And I I and I wanted yeah I wanted that I wanted like real live data. You know, <laughs> like I didn't want I and I wanted to present the brand that way. Like hey, this is something new, and you know you get a lot of skeptical people. They're like, who is this woman giving my kid a sample? Like <laughs> that's weird, right? But I think you know there, I, I was actually surprised how receptive places were that I approached to do this in yeah. about doing it. Like they were like, yeah, great. Sure. Come you talk to kids we're fine with that. And that was wonderful. And I really feel it really helped me understand also what consumers were and weren't looking for. And I did modify things because I actually had a couple different versions of the drink and it helped me narrow down which one I thought to bring to market first. Ashi, from a formulation standpoint, I, I don't know a great deal about um, uh, putting kind of the recipe together, or whatever. But nutrients and a lot of vitamins and stuff have some uh, peculiar tastes. Let's say, um, how did you deal with that in coming up with you know marrying the 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 coconut water and stuff to to those elements? Yeah. So, you know, I knew for very early on that the reason a lot of liquid vitamins in general that are on the market, just by liquid vitamins in themselves, they're not covered with anything, right? They're just right. actually a supplement. Yep. The reason they don't work well with kids is because of the way they taste, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to take foul tasting medicine. No one wants to smell vitamins and nobody yeah. wants that aftertaste of vitamins. Yeah. So for me, it was very important to not smell a vitamin and not taste a vitamin. So that's what took a long time to develop because it was how are you going to make a product that doesn't do those things that also is zero sugar right. and tastes good still. So for me, those were and, – and I love getting the reaction from kids to this day, which is like, wow, like I this has no sugar and they can't believe it because it does still taste sweet. And I think that's um, – you know, differentiates it a little bit from a flavored water. And I would say that was actually the hardest piece to developing it was trying to come up with that combination of things where it was actually palatable and that a parent would try it, right? Because most parents try a, try something before they give it to their kid. Oh, sure. So oh, yeah. you want to make sure it also passed the taste test of the adult. So it's not just like when you launch an adult product, I would assume a lot of the times it's just you know, does the adult like it? Okay, now, 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 they, and then it's the buying power of who's buying in the house and committing to that. With a kid's product, there's many steps to that, right? There's getting the kid to see it and like it, but the parent to, is the person ultimately buying it, so they have to be attracted to the packaging. Right. They also have to try it and like it, then their kid has to try it and like it. So there's many steps in this, you know, in, in this process. So you... You try your prototypes, you get it down to what you think is going on, and, and um, what do you do next in terms of, I'm, I'm assuming that you have at this point figured out the cost of goods and other things, whatever, you've got something that tastes good, you maybe have an idea about your packaging, how did you go about basically taking that into something that 
you know, to go to a co-packer or go to a co-manufacturer to deal with? So I knew probably that my options, because it's a kid's product, were very limited in terms of packaging because I couldn't do glass bottles because it's a kid. Right. <laughs> I couldn't do, I didn't want to do plastic because at the time, I, I think plastic now is coming a long way. But when I was looking at it, there weren't options of plastic derived from corn or other mechanisms, right? Like it was just straight plastic. So I didn't want to do plastic. Um, really, I didn't have a lot of option, options except what kids know how they drink out of, which is either pouches or a juice box. Right. And those were really the two options. Unfortunately, with a pouch, unless you're talking about, uh, you know, like uh, baby food, right? Like a squeeze pouch, yeah. there aren't any that don't have a straw attached to it. If you think of Capri Sun or these other ones, right? Yep. So I then decided, okay, well then, well then the only way to do this is to do a carton. So that led me down the road to Tetra Pak very easily just because of what I was looking for. And then I went there, I did a test run of the product to make sure it worked in the packaging and it tested fine. And then it was, okay, do you have one that doesn't have a straw? Which um, we were actually <laughs> one of the first brands to launch with the non-straw. So that's been a challenge in itself because uh, our packaging is not here. It's actually overseas. Okay, so yeah. That's, that's a very long lead time to get packaging. Wow, yeah, because it has to come on a boat. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that makes that 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 sharpens your uh, forecasting skills when exactly. that when that happens. <laughs> um, so so then uh, all right. So packaging uh, overseas uh, Tetra production, but then to um, to a co-packer here in the states. Um, yep. And and then business plan wise, where were you going to sell it? So, Who would you think you were going to yeah, sell so, it to? Yeah. So I think. From a business plan perspective, I worked um, with actually my husband um, and a friend of ours who was a business consultant on a, a, a kind of diagram called Lean Canvas. Sure. Um, yep. So I worked on that, and that's how I kind of developed the idea of the product, laid it out, and laid out how this was going to actually scale and work. So that was kind of – I worked from that Canvas perspective on a business plan. And then implemented it um, after that. So for me, originally, I really wanted to just be online. I thought, you know, let's just do online. That would be the focus. Um, that's where my consumer shops. That's where I shop. You know, that's the way to go. Sure, yep. And what I learned very quickly <laughs> was that the amount of resources you need to be able to scale a business online take a lot. And I didn't have the luxury of those resources, yep. nor did I feel, even if I had the resources, there was this part of me from a very logical perspective. And I know a lot of people argue this with me, but I felt like if I can't spend $40,000 a month to make a business happen from the beginning, it should be successful. If it's not, then there's something really wrong with the business. So from my perspective, it was, I don't have that money to spend. So the answer isn't raising the money to spend that because then the answer should be that the business is scaling. It's how do you actually learn if this business has legs from a, a like a, just a very real perspective. So then for me, it was really about getting into stores and 
you know, understanding. And I think we're still a little bit in this phase of this company because we're pretty young yep. of placing bets. Um, somebody mentioned this to me, another entrepreneur, and I thought it was, yeah, that, that's very true. It's like <laughs> you're in a phase where you're placing bets on your store location, where you are in the store, where do you live? Because you have a very, you know, disruptive product, right? It's not, it's not, it, it's a new category in a way and disrupting a juice category. So where do you live in store? And are you, are you a natural product? Is that where your shopper goes? Or are you more conventional? And you're, you're actually, your shopper goes there. So I think right now we're in a phase with the company where we're placing a lot of different bets on that to see where our drivers are and to see what makes sense. And I think it really depends on, you know, honestly, a lot of it's just by city and where you live. But for me, it was really important after I realized just because of freight costs of shipping water across the country oh, yes. from e-commerce perspective, yep. I realized very quickly that I'm not in a position right now to keep that kind of business sustained. So I quickly changed my business model. It was, you know, within a few months, I just realized that this isn't working. The margins don't make sense and I need to pivot quick or I'm not going to have a business. <laughs> so... And and that's very interesting because it's that is a realiza realization you've had that, that I've talked with a dozen other people who had the 180 degree realization of that. You know, they started out with I want this on the shelf at Safeway, and they went, uh oh, I don't have the money to do that. I need to establish the validity of the product and the product line. Therefore, I will go on Amazon because I can do that with less of an investment, at least getting on, not, not growing it, as you mentioned, but, um, you know, to, to prove the product and then I can kind of go back. So, but you are on Amazon. Yeah. I think yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, sorry to interrupt. I, you know, I, I do think that it depends on the product, right? Like if I was sure. selling a bag of potato chips, I think that's a very different situation that I'm in in a very different business model for adults, even than a kid's product. Like I think with a lot of kids things, if a parent isn't physically seeing it at the store, like I believe a lot of consumers still shop at the store. Oh, of course. I think people still discover things at the store. 90% of CPG purchases are still done from a retail outlet. Right. So for me, it's I think that is the, the nuanced difference that if I had an adult product, I might feel differently. But I think with, and I'm not saying that there isn't an online business here. I just think that, I need that brand awareness and foot traffic to be discovered. That's very different than just being online. Yes. If, yes. And, and it obviously it all depends on your resources, right? Like if you have, like I said, if you yeah. have yeah. money to really throw into e-commerce, that's a very different thing than, um, you know, than if you don't and you need to start off at, you know, the independent stores or so on and so forth. There's, al there's also, I think, to a certain extent, an, an advantage that you have that is a little bit of a burden. And that is, is that your target audience is shopping everywhere. Assuming that your target audience is a mother with, you know, two children in the house under, you know, age 12. Um, but she or he, if it's if dad yeah. taking care of them, uh, yes, they shop online. Of course they do. Um, but they also buy the bulk of their, um, you know, food intake at a retail store near them, most likely the one closest to their house. 
Um, but you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So in other words, how do you, yeah, how do you reach them? Because it's, you know, they, they aren't necessarily going to go on Amazon and do a search for your product because they may not even know that this type of product exists. They wish they could find exactly. it, but they can't. However, exactly. if they're walking down, you know, walking down the aisle. Now that brings us to the aisle, which you also mentioned and is a huge uh, challenge. So if, if you're at, um, you know, if you're at a Molly Stones or you're at an Erwan or whatever, fine and dandy, we can do this. We can put you on an end cap. We can get you out from under wherever it is you're supposed to go. But move to a Safeway, and guess what? Safeway already has a place, right, that they know yep. you're going to go. And you can come up with, and I've done these presentations a dozen times, all the great reasons why. I should mm-hmm. be here rather than there. And the buyer goes, uh-huh, yeah, yeah well, you're going to be there. So now it's right. the thing of how can I stick out from my quote-unquote category that really isn't even my category, right? I, you don't need to stick out from Capri yes. Sun, right? You know what I mean? So it's yeah. those advantages that are also a little bit of burden, but you yep. know, attacking it in an interesting way. However, you are on Amazon and Thrive, right? So people can find your yes. products if they don't happen to live near online. stores. Online, okay. Exactly. And um, you sell from the website as well? Yes. Yes. Well, we do. We So we pivoted that model. So we're if you go to our website, right. it basically gets you, you get basically like l- launched onto the Amazon right. Amazon landing page. Got it. And, and that is www.kidslove.com, but it's kidsloveluv.com. That's correct. You can find it, so so you can do that. And if you're you're out there and you you need something for your kids that's going to be healthier, guess what? It's here. We worked that out. So okay, so now we're now we're at the retail, you know, the gates of retail. How did you decide to attack that, and who did you pick out as partners for it? So for me, it was just really important to build brand awareness where I live. So I live in Los Angeles, so that's where I'm starting. Um, so <laughs> good. Uh, it's really just Northern Southern California independence. And that is our focus. So we have, uh, we launched into store actually this past September. So very recent, um, and, uh, are growing in independence, natural independence. Um, you know, there was a couple that were a little hesitant to take on the product or we don't know about this. And, um, then I, you know, most of the time at those sales meetings, I show up to kind of pitch the product and sell the people, sell, sell the product through. Um, and then it's really supporting the product at store level with demos and promotions and, you know, making sure. And what's been interesting for me actually with a lot of these independents, because I think this is where you can really, it's almost like that's the boot camp, right? Before you get to the safe way, before you get to avons or these bigger stores right sprouts yeah it's when you're these smaller independents you have a little bit more conversations with buyers and you can talk to them about like well i'd like to live here and here in your store or could we do an end cap do you think that's possible <laughs> and 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 i we have been able to achieve that so What's exciting for me to see is sometimes I walk into a store and I see our stuff in the refrigerated section. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because I know that's very special, you know, space Ah, for a lot of For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they naturally just put us there to try it out and it was selling. So now the next thing is, well, we might want to take you now out of a four pack. That's how we sell is four packs. 
and actually sell you a singles in the refrigerated section. Ooh. And that would be obviously very ideal for me. That's, uh, that's something I, that a goal of mine in the business. Um, and then, you know, another store, that same chain will say, oh no, at this location, we're doing an end cap of your product. And that's, and it's right next to the supplements. So I think for us, really, it's about on a store level, learning where we belong. You know, we have a lot of different plays because of being a beverage, but also being a functional beverage and for kids. So there's the kids aisle, there's the juice aisle, there's the vitamin aisle. And, and then, um, there's, and then in the baby aisle, which sometimes is a combination of food and beverages. Oh yes. The res- so, yeah. Responsibility aisle. Yes. Yep. <laughs> know it well. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, and, and it really, uh, what I'm noticing is it, it really depends on the store and where the store is located because each, like the demographics of that area determine how the consumer shops, which, right. you know, and, and I'm the first thing I always ask in meetings to buyers when this comes up, like, well, where do you see yourself? Cause that always comes up. It's one of the first things that comes up. And one thing I always try to ask is where do you see it? Or what does your data say about the mom shopper? Where does she go? And I have some, you know, competitors or some people who play in my same field in terms of functionality. So I ask usually, where are they? Or, you know, do you, are they in multiple places? Cause sometimes, some, sometimes people put you in more than one spot and a store, but if you don't ask that, they, they won't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, dual, dual placement is, uh, is, you know, that's a Nirvana if you, if you can get it. So Yes. <laughs> yeah, it works. So, and in 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 general, the the reception or whatever from buyers from the stores you approached was was fairly positive. I would say it's been a really it, it's it was been, it's been mixed. I'm not gonna. That's my honest opinion. I think a lot of times, and I always say this, and I'm very clear about this with the brokers I work with and different sales reps I work with now. Like I try to go to every meeting. Because I just believe that there's a lot of questions people have about the product. And unless we're very small at this point, you know, we're a real startup. So it's really my job to sell it. And I feel that once that a lot of those questions are answered and people realize the functionality of the product, then usually the answer has been yes. Yeah, and 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 that and that's good because that consciousness is is absolutely necessary for success. So many people they get a distributor or they get a broker and they think, well, I'm 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 done now. Oh, I I wait for the orders to come in. And it's like, no, this this is not how no. it works. Selling it in is still your responsibility. Yeah, and you're going to be a lot more helpful and, if you're involved. Yeah, and I think also there's something to be said that first of all, no one knows the product better than you, right? Right. And I think that, you know, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses, right? I think one of my strong suits is selling. I yep. think that that's just what I'm passionate about. It's what I enjoy doing. And so you should be, as an entrepreneur, doing what you enjoy. You know, if you don't enjoy doing that, then you probably should find somebody or hire somebody who does enjoy doing that. Sure, for I sure. I happen to enjoy doing that. <laughs> and I think that a lot of the times when I'm at these um, sales meetings, for me, it's not about convincing. Like sometimes I've been in sales meetings where the conversation starts and I start to realize, well, maybe this isn't the right place for us. And knowing to say no or knowing that 
maybe it isn't going to work out and that's okay. But I think that it's more of a conversation. Like there used to be, I think in the beginning, like I always thought like, oh, I just got to get it in, get it in, get it in. And I think you start to, as you start to see the map of the business, you start to say like, oh, well, maybe I need to actually just focus more on certain areas of the country and certain stores and right. then, you know, then see what happens naturally, right? Or see where it starts to make sense for us to grow. Let's let's drive our distribution to where we have the greatest chance of success. Exactly. Rather than distribution for, for distribution's sake, as it were. Exactly. Um, now, what about the idea... Um, and again, with the retail, you've got demos you have to do, and 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 you're very supportive, and obviously very hands-on involved. But at a certain period of time, just like the industry, um, is I, I will tell students and clients I work with that you know you start out in the food industry, but you very quickly grow into the supply chain management industry. Yeah. So the day will come, I'm I'm pretty sure for your product because of where it's at and what you're doing, that you're not going to be able to go out and do those demos anymore because there's just going to be too many of them. Or right. you're going to be working for a store that won't allow you to do the demos. <laughs> yes. They have a third party that does that for you. So um, picking the stores, picking geographies, I know a lot of people that I've had on the show have talked about the fact that particularly in the NOSH, natural, organic, specialty, and healthy um, we tend to have a, a first of all, a, a West Coast, if you will, mentality about that stuff because so many of the players are here and have started. But then also the East Coast does, and it's really that sort of space in the middle that we have a much harder time trying to get on board with what are going on with trends and stuff. Even though, you know, Kroger, which follows some of those trends and stuff, has a lot of stores in the heartland, but still their mentality from headquarters in Ohio tends to be more East coast and therefore they're more open. So how do you, how do you map out where you want to go? Do you go to the Wegmans? Do you go to the, just the natural independence? How, how do you, how do you map that out? So I think well, for us, like I said, I wanted to start local, which meant natural independence. Now we're in a place where we're starting to see some traction with some, you know, new launches we're doing where we're, we're now kind of starting to think a little bigger. I think that people start to get more open to having conversations with you. Yeah. Um, the Kroger's, all of those of the world, once they start seeing your traction, um, I had a meeting yesterday with a big chain and I think the reception was very well received. I think it with this product in particular, cause it's solving a problem. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's really West coast, East coast, like, I've been now being told a lot, like, I think this will do really well in Michigan. So I don't really, I think that it isn't so, because this is really more of a, 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 a solving a problem. And actually the buyer I was with yesterday was saying to me, like, my kid, all he drinks is Gatorade. And it's zero sugar Gatorade, but it still has artificial everything in it, right? Right. And how do I get him to drink something else. He won't drink water, like really won't. So I saw your product and I took it home and I figured, you know, let me try it on my, and he loved it. So like, I see now what you're trying to do. And I think that's, those are the buyers, right? Those are the people that right. I think really start to grab the concept and get it when they see the proof in it. So to answer your question, I guess, long-windedly is I think that, um, you know, how I map that out is really staying focused where we are now and then seeing as distribution grows, 
getting focused. So like if a DC opens up, I try to then cluster as many stores that make sense around that. And then it will lead to another one and another one. And of course there are things that have just come to me right. that we're interested in. And, and, and it's been a sto store owner that really actually sees the trends and is ahead of the game, you know? But for us right now, because we're not focused on the East Coast, that's something I'm hoping to do by the end of this year. Um, so my thing is really focusing on the West Coast, then going to the East Coast, but, you know, staying open to the fact that, you know, there might be opportunities or areas in the country where, you know, you didn't think that maybe your product would sell, but that something an opportunity opens up there and maybe it makes sense from you from a distri distribution point of view yep. to actually take that chance yeah and i and i agree with you you, you I, I think the product has national appeal for sure it it's more of the buyers at, at each of the headquarters as to their openness to look at something new in that in that category um exactly actually what do going back so what you know only since 2017 but basically What's been your, you think was the biggest challenge you had to overcome in doing this? Everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Um, let, me give, let me give you a uh, list. We, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the biggest challenge for me has been really learning this industry and being a babysitter in the sense of, even to myself, like being patient with myself and learning the ins and outs of everything and realizing how hands-on and i think it's gotten it's interesting like as the business is growing i'm getting more and more hands-on yeah i actually don't feel like i'm getting less because i'm understanding things so much more and just also communication i'm a big believer i probably am an over communicator but i believe that you know how uh you know person a you know you talk to in new york and uh, another person in um, Kansas is a very different way of looking at the world. And so for me, the biggest challenge has been that. I think that what I see as normal, I'm a city girl. I lived in New York for nine years. I mean, I think that I have a very urban mentality. I don't think a lot of people in the industry, you know, this is a very, it's, it, it, and especially in beverage, it's very like an old school industry. And I think you have to level and be at where people are and then help them maybe see something innovative or see something different. Right. Right. But without yep. being with, without, without pushing them or without, you know, you know, forcing something. So I think it's really, my biggest challenge has been just learning everything about the business, but really being and finding the right people, but really being able to understand how people think, how people work, and that and and buyers think buyers work and and trying to you know get them to understand the product and get them to see what i see out there you right. know and what i hear from feedback from consumers who are moms who are caregivers and you know knowing that need is out there yeah because you you probably developed a great community of those uh, of those mom not necessarily users but certainly purchasers and then, yeah. and that helps to that helps to build the whole brand, uh, exactly. brand growth in that sense. So yeah, uh, yeah, very uh, uh, very positive from that sense. And they also tend to talk about stuff with you know what are you doing with your kids? Oh, I just found this 
wonderful stuff and we can we can go from there and by the way for listeners if you again are are interested in more information about the product you can go to www.kidslove that's kids l-u-v dot com uh, as well as finding the product on amazon or thrive um so generally we try to give our guests an opportunity uh, um to share a little bit of wisdom and usually ask kind of like sort of one word or one topic or whatever that that you think is very important that you want to pass on to fellow founders and entrepreneurs. Do you have anything in mind? Being persistent but gracious. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Especially the but gracious. <laughs> and that that's great. Absolutely necessary in the in the business. Well, I really appreciate you being with us today and taking the time. Um, very exciting product, and you know, definitely a disruptor. We love to see those out there, and and uh, want you to come back on the program when you really expand the line more and are flying to the East Coast and all the time and, and doing that. And we'll uh, we'll talk about it again. All right, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, and yeah, I'd love to come back on. No problem. Again, thanks, Hashi, and thanks to all of you for joining us here on the Next Level Brands podcast today. The podcast was brought to you by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of courses, workshops, webinars, group, and one-on-one coaching for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more, check out the details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. What you need to know to grow, kitchentoshelf.com. This is Steve Clear, and we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.